Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Somebody asked me, Pastor, how do you uh, decide what series that we're in? I actually actually have a preaching calendar that's a year long. I'm actually planning a preaching series in the next year already. And that doesn't mean I'm not spirit-led. I just feel like the Holy Spirit can speak to me early, <laughs> you know. So uh, I'm, I'm praying about next February and, and, and those sort of things. But several months ago, I had a different message series in this particular slot, and I really felt the Holy Spirit this way. One of my favorite jobs as a pastor is, is I get to, like a shepherd, I get to sort of take you to different fields and different hillsides. And I ask the Lord, you know, God, where, where do we feed? What, you know, what... Tell me what hill that, 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 that this flock needs to be fed on. And the last couple of months, I really felt the Lord lead me in this direction. And maybe it's just for me. And if it's just for me, you can tell me after church, well, this, this one was just for you. But I'll give you a little bit of my, my story. I was raised in church. Where's everybody that was raised in church? Let me see all your hands. Yeah, you're closer to the front. Where's all the heathens? Let me see all the heathens in the back. No, there they are. Y'all are my favorite. Show me heathens again. Y'all are, y'all are the best. Yeah, you're easy to spot. And... Um, and we started the church for heathens, honestly, but uh, I, I'm excited you're here. But I was raised in church, fourth generation in a spirit-filled church. And, and um, so I, I, I had, I'm very thankful for a lot of what uh, I was raised with. There's a lot of value and, and, and a lot of good things that I'm, I'm grateful to God for. My parents uh, took me to church. I tell you that I had a drug problem uh, when I was uh, a kid. Uh, my parents uh, drugged me to Sunday morning and Sunday night. And they drug me to Wednesday night, and then they drug me to Friday night youth service, and then they drug me to Tuesday night prayer meeting. Anybody know this kind of drug from? This is the way I was my whole life. And so, uh, but but I was raised in a brand of Christianity. Now, I don't want you to hear negativity. I really don't. I just, I, I want to give you a behind the scenes of my story. I was raised in a brand of Christianity that honestly was very performance-based, that I felt like I had to get it right so that God would like me. And if I got it wrong... Or if I did one thing wrong, or or if I if I didn't if it didn't all line up today, if I wasn't perfect today, that somehow I had to get resaved. And every Sunday night I'd get resaved. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'd go to the altar. We had real altar calls, and we have real altar calls here. But I mean, we had like hellfire. Like if you don't pray through tonight, you'll die in a car wreck. Kind of altar calls, you know? No, that's real. That's somebody said, "Come on, you know." <laughs> and, and 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 so I'd come to the front and I'd cry and I'd, "Please God, don't kill me. Please God, don't take it away. Please, you know." And I'd get saved all over again, or at least I think I did. And then I'd get up Monday, and honestly, I'd mess up again. You know, I'd say "heck" or something, you know, or "dang" or something like that. And I and and the, here here I am again. I'm you know, and and then and then I'd start this this cycle of performance to God. I'm not telling you this to feel sorry for me. Again, I'm, I'm very grateful for a lot of how I was raised. I was, I was 21 years old before I went to the movies. It's not funny. I was. Tw- uh, <laughs> you're the only one laughing, Rick. Why are you laughing at that? I'm 21 years old. I'm married already, and 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 I went to the movies for the first time because in in the brand of Christianity I was raised in, we go to the movies, you know, because I don't know why. But anyway, we didn't go, and so. Um, we were 21 and we were married. And I never forget, we were in North Little Rock, Arkansas. We were on MacArthur Avenue going to the movies. And we sat in the parking lot. True story. We sat, not that I lie to you, but this is really true. We, we sat in the parking lot of, of this movie theater. And we decided, we prayed, God, please don't come back during this movie. Because <laughs> if the rapture takes place, I'm going straight to hell in a handbasket. Like I, with gasoline britches on. You know what I mean? Like I'm going right to hell. 
if you come back during this movie. And he didn't. And, and, and the funny thing is, then I started the church in a movie theater. <laughs> but anyway, another story. Um, but that's, that's, and I felt bad. And then, and then I'd get up the next day and feel bad. And I, and I started this cycle of Christianity really all of my life, most of my 20s, where I would try to perform for God, get it right, and then I would fall short. And when I fell short, Kent, when I had this, when I knew that I'd messed up, I sort of, I cower in guilt and shame and have all this stuff. And then I'd hide from God. You know, I'd, I'd not go to church on a Sunday because I knew if I went to church that they would know. Somehow the Holy Spirit would tell them. They always knew, especially my pastor. He always knew and he'd always point right at me and I'd be like, ah, I did it. I went, you know, I, you got me and I got to go back and get saved. And, and then I'd hide from God and then I'd feel like there's no hope. And, and you can laugh at this, but honestly, this was, this was a vicious cycle of repeating. And then, and then I would promise God that I'll do better next time. You ever done this? I'm going to get it right. You ever blown up on your kids? Just look straight ahead because nobody will know it's you. You're, you ever blown up on your kids and then when you, as soon as you do, you feel like, ah, God, I'm the worst parent. God, I'll never do that again. And then, and then three minutes later, you do it again. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? And God, I'm never going to say that again. God, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to lose my temper. I'm never going to be. And, and, then, and then I do. And, I, and there's a cycle of guilt and shame and, and, and it's repetitive performance. And I'll be frank with you. It was exhausting. And there, there was a season in my life when I felt like, you know what? I, this doesn't work. I don't think I can do this. I can't do this the rest of my life for sure. I know that God had called me into ministry. I was 14 years old when God called me into ministry. But I thought, God, if this is the deal, I'm out on the deal. Like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't give you this because I had, learned, I had learned wrong how God relates to people. Write it down like this. All Christians take notes in church, by the way. That's in the Bible. If you le- write this down. If you learn it wrong, you'll live it wrong. If you learn it wrong, you'll live it wrong. If you learn something about God the wrong way, if you have a wrong idea of God, if you have the wrong idea of God's love for you, if you have the wrong idea of faith, if you have the wrong idea, if you learn it wrong, you'll live your whole life with it wrong. And then you'll get in your life and there'll be problems that show up and you don't know why it is you can't handle the situation. And it really has nothing to do with what I'm currently going through. It's not a marriage problem. It's not a parenting problem. It's not even a joy, a peace, a depression problem. I learned something wrong and now it's affected my whole life and I'm living it wrong are you there so the the, the reason why I got to preach this to you is because I want you to learn it right I want you to see God's grace I don't, I don't want you to live your whole life not able to accept grace. I want you to live your life able to receive grace from God so that you can give grace to others. I want you to learn how to abide in Him. I want you to learn how it's the, the, the reason why I, I'm having a tough time with shame and guilt and I don't bring my problems to God is because I'm scared of God. I've learned it wrong. I did it wrong. And if I, do, if I learn it that way, I end up living my whole life. And now I'm in my 40s or in my 50s or in my 60s. And I've learned this version of God that isn't a Bible version of God. And now my relationship with God is strained. Not because God's changed anything and not because I'm any worse. But because I learned it the wrong way. Are you there? Write it down like this. How you see something determines the relationship you have with that thing. How you see a thing determines... The relationship you have with a thing. How you see a thing determines, I'll prove it to you. When you rent a car, you know it's not yours. It determines how you drive it. (laughs) You drive it like you stole it. 
But you get in your car and you're doing 30 miles under the speed limit because it's yours and you bought them tires and you paid for all. Are you with me, everybody? How you see a thing determines how you treat a thing. It determines the relationship you have with that thing. And if you have the wrong, if you have the wrong view of God and of grace, it determines the relationship you have with the God of grace. It determines if you see God as angry, some old white man with a long beard. If you see God as hurtful, as vindictive, as manipulative, I'm like you. I want to run the other way from that kind of God. If you see it the wrong way, it determines the relationship you have with God. But if you see God as loving and as helpful and as reaching for you and changing you and pursuing you, man, I'll give my whole life to that God because He's after me, because He loves me, because He cares about me. Say amen to that. I'll do everything in my life to get close to that God. It just depends on how you see Him. So I got four weeks to make you change how you see grace. If I gave this message a title, write this at the top of your notes, it's that grace is. I want to give you what grace is in your life. This is a foundation message. You can't miss the next four weeks or none of it makes sense. So that's, I trap you into coming to church for four weeks so you get the rest of the story. But today I want to tell you what grace is. Grace is, I didn't write this on the, on the screen, but I want you to write this in your notes. Grace is what I need most in my life and it's what I give the least. Grace is what I need the most when, I, when I'm confronted with who I really am. When, when, when it's just me and my eyes are closed in, at night. When it's just me looking in the mirror in the morning, standing over that sink. And I think to myself, I know you. I know what you think. I know how you act. I know what's in your mind. I know what's in your heart. What, when I, I know me and grace is what I need the most from God. But listen, in a strange twist of human fate, it's the thing I give the least when I see wrong in other people. It's the thing when my wife and I, we never fight because she's always right. That's the way that we've decided. And, but but when, I, when, I, when, I need, when she needs grace, I, I don't extend grace, not because she doesn't deserve it, but because I have a tough time receiving it. I need it the most. I know me, but I have a tough time giving it to her. Aren't we funny people? That the thing that I know that I need the most, the thing that I know that God has to use in my life, the thing I think the most dangerous scripture in all of the Bible, I didn't write it on the screen, but the most dangerous passage I think in all of the Bible, the most convicting, honestly, the one that scares me the most, not Revelation, not about a bunch of beasts and Antichrist and all of that. The scariest thing is when Jesus said, whatever measuring stick that you used to hand out mercy, that's the same measure that God measures it back to you. Ricky, that scares me to death. You're telling me the measuring stick that I have grace in my life when others fail me. That's how God gives grace to me. That's exactly what Jesus said. There's going to come a judgment. Not the judgment for heaven and hell, but the great white throne judgment. On the other side of that, that's the second judgment. That's when God looks at you and says, hey, you know all that grace I gave you? Why did you not extend grace to everybody else? It's what I need the most. And it's what I give the least. And the thing I got to convince you of today, I got one job over the next 24 minutes. By the way, I just told you how much longer you got. I got one job, and it's to convince you of this. Write it down in your notes just like this. Grace is God's best idea. Grace is God's best idea. Now, God had a lot of good ideas. Short people, that's a great one. Look around for tall people. Not God's best idea. Short people. Tall people, we expect you to do well. Short people, it surprises everybody. 
one of God's better ideas. <laughs> calling. Listen, calling in your life. If you, if you hang around our church very long, you're going to hear me talk about the calling of God on your life, the purpose of God in your life, great ideas, the gifting of God that He puts on your life, the calling that God called you to do something that makes a difference, the purpose of God in your life that calls you and gets you up every morning, gives you fire in your bones. All of that's great ideas, but it's not God's best idea. Mercy, a good idea, not God's best idea. Truth, good idea, not God's best idea. Joy, great idea, not God's best idea. Peace for the believer, good idea, but not God's best idea. Because all of that stuff, my calling, my purpose, my joy, my, my, my peace, all of that stuff proceeds out of God's best idea. And God's best idea knows that I'm not good enough to get any of that stuff on my own. And God's best idea is grace for me when I need it the most. I'm preaching better than your amen. So I'm going to give you another shot. When I look, I think grace is God's magnum opus. I think it's his most important work. I think it's the summation of all that God has to offer. If you packaged up every gift that God has, if you package up the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fivefold ministry, if you package up tongues and healing and prophecy, if you package up all of that stuff that God has for everybody, if you package up all of that joy and peace, and if you package all of that up and you put a big bow on the, when you put a name tag on it, it would come from grace joy comes from grace peace comes from grace my calling comes from grace my purpose came from grace because I know me and I don't deserve any of that stuff so grace must have opened the door for the rest of my life say amen to that grace opens the door for the calling of God on your life grace opens the door for you to be a good father grace opens the door for you to be a good mother Grace opened the door for you to be the, 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 the called, anointed, purpose-driven person that you are. Grace, you're not smart enough to get that job. I know that you've got some gifts. I know you've got some talents. But grace opened up that door in your life. You're, you, didn't just, you weren't born in the right family. You didn't go to the right school. That's not how it happened. Grace opened. It's the idea I need the most when I look at my life and I see the mess of my life. And I see the wasted years of my life. And I see the poor choices. And the hurt. And the lost feeling. And the struggle. And the questions. And the whys. God answers the worst of me. With the best of Him. And it's grace. It's the best idea God ever had. That I'll accept you just like you are. But I love you too much to leave you like you are. That I'll take you with all of your warts. I'm telling you, if I was God, I wouldn't do that. I ain't trying to hang out with broke people. I don't need no more broke friends. You know what I'm saying? Look at me in the eyes. I don't need nobody else. You, you know those friends. Don't look around because you may have them in church. You know those friends that you got to carry all the time. You're like, oh, God, here they come. You can do it. You can. Be. Listen, if I was God, I'd leave them behind. I ain't got time for that. I'm being honest with y'all. I wouldn't pick people with problems if I was God. I wouldn't pick people with issues if I was God. I wouldn't pick people with, with insecurities if I was God. And God had the best idea ever when he said, you're perfect for the calling. But before I give you calling and purpose and joy and peace and anointing and gifts, before I do any of that, you need grace. Because I know you. God answers my worst with his best. 
So over the next four weeks, I want to challenge you on your idea. How do you see grace? How do you see God? I'm, I'm excited to bring this message here to you. Honestly, this, I think this is probably one of the most important things I'll preach to you all year long. Is how you see God. How you view grace. Are you living in the grace of God? Are you giving the grace of God? Pastor, are you going to do a practical series on marriage? You bet I am. But I can't get you to have good marriages because you don't give grace because you don't understand the grace that you've received. Are you with me? I can't, are you going to preach about my budget? Absolutely. I want you to manage money God's way. But I can't honor God with the wealth that God's given me. Proverbs 3 and 9. I can't honor God with my wealth until I realize that all of my ability to receive wealth comes from God. It's grace that God gave me. Are you with me? Everything, everything in my life. I think we understand it, but honestly, I think we've settled for a wimpy version of grace. We've settled for this wimpy version. We use it for other things that we don't really know about. At, at the bank, at, when your car payment's due, you got an extra 10 days and they call it a grace period. Some of y'all didn't know that. You wrote that down. You mean I can call them and tell? Yeah, you call just a, you get grace period. <laughs> Some of y'all, that's all you get out of today. You're like, babe, we got like five more days. We ain't got to pay this right now. They're not going to cut it off, you know. We got time. It's a grace period. What's a grace period? It's more time. <laughs> when I look back over my life, I realize God's, I've been living in my grace period. God gave me more time. How many of you know that you don't deserve to be here today? God should have killed me a long time ago. I should have blew my life up a long time ago. I should have blew my marriage up. I should have been out. I should have been disqualified. I should have been down and out. But God gave me more time. That's grace in my life. But we just use it for banknotes. And we don't realize God is giving me more time to do what God called me to do. Say amen to that. Politicians fall from grace. You know when they mess up. They say, well, you know, he fell from grace. What does that mean? I thought, I thought the sin was the thing you, know, you need grace for. No, no, no. Grace is the thing that sustains you when you're in a level of a position. I need grace in my life to sustain the calling of God on my life. I need the grace of God. We, we describe ballet dancers as graceful. I'm not going to do it. Don't do that. Don't laugh at that. I'm not going to do that. I am going to do that. Just I don't know why I do this one leg like a flamingo. What is that? It's not a ballerina. I can promise that. That's not graceful. My little girl's 10 years old. And she's really into ballet and dancing. So the Winter Olympics were on and we were watching the figure skating. Have you watched this? Worthless. And I don't... Worthless. I don't understand any of it. And, and my little girl, my baby's watching it. Uh, and... And she's just, she's so engrossed. And I'm like, baby, I just, first of all, the words are all in Russian. I don't know what they're singing and I don't know what they're saying. And I don't, and, and, and I don't, uh, this, uh, uh, you know, and the, and the commentators are talking about how moving it is. And I'm thinking, this ain't moving. <laughs> we're not doing nothing. What are we doing right here? It's graceful. There are times in your life God wants to make the most random things. The things that don't make any sense to you. The, thing, the seasons you think, why did I have to go through that? But you handled it gracefully. It's full of grace. Why did I have to walk through that dark season? Why did we have to walk through that divorce? Why, why did we have to lose that baby? Why did we lose the job? Why did God move us here? Why did we walk through that hard season with our adult children? Why, why are we in this season now when we're supposed to be in retirement? And grace is there in the dance.
but we've settled for some other version. We use it to call hospital names and baby girl names and and, and, and we use it when we talk about praying for our food. and you know, I'm going to say grace. We've settled for this polite, wimpy kind of grace. But I don't want you to be that kind of Christian. I want you to be changed by grace. I want you to be shaped by grace. I want you to be strengthened by grace. I want you to be softened by grace. I want grace to snatch me up by the collar and shake me into my senses. I want grace to change every part of me. I don't just want grace to just be something simple and docile in a song that I sing. I want grace to chase after me and to rewire me and to make me brand new again that's God's grace in your life I didn't put it on the screen but you need to write it down you don't get grace grace gets you well I I received grace no 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 you don't get grace grace gets you it gets a hold of you it changes you it makes me better than it, 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 it changes me from the inside out it washes me clean it gives me more time it gives sense to my pain it gives purpose to the hard seasons of my life it makes me who God called me to be it gives me my calling I walk in my purpose it gives me the anointing of God it's the joy of the Lord in my life it's peace in my mind it's health to my bones come on that's grace in my life it's not just the song that I sing it's what I need the most from God you don't get grace it gets you and it changes you every part of you from insecure to secure from regret in your life to I'm better because of it in my life grace calls you to change and then it gives you the power to do it how sad and sadistic would God be if He called you to a higher plane and then didn't give you the tools to get there? How crazy would it be to serve a God who put purpose on the inside of you and destiny on the inside of you and anointing on the inside of you? You're a champion and child of the Most High God. But how crazy would it be for God to give all of that anointing into this broken person and then not give you the grace to rise to the occasion? But you have what you have and you walk in the grace that you have because God's been good to you and grace got a hold of you. Am I preaching to anybody that you know how bad you were, how broken you are, how messed up I am? But but grace saved me and changed me. I'm not a better version of me. Grace doesn't make you better than you. I, I, I watch late night TV. Anybody else? Everybody goes to bed. I watch infomercials. Anybody? TV? For everybody under 30, it's like Netflix, but it has commercials. It's live. It's called, it's called TV. Anyway, I watch, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you, but I watch late night TV. It's not bad. I, I was going to tell you I watch Jimmy Swagger, but he does come on really late. But anyway, I watch, I watch late night Christian TV and I, I watch late night infomercials. You know, Sham Wow. My guy. You know what I'm talking about? I watch Tybo, Billy Blanks. Y'all don't, don't get me. Y'all don't laugh at that. That's silly. I always, get, always, get, I always think it's funny when they say, they're selling a product and they always say, well, this is the new and improved formula. And Ken, I'm thinking to myself, hang on. I bought that last version. <laughs> Y'all told me that was the best one. Y'all told me my life would change with that one. And now y'all been holding out on the new improved version <laughs> this whole time. Listen, what if God saved you and then, and then just snuck up on you and said, oh, I got a new improved version. God doesn't do that. 
God doesn't make you new and improved. God doesn't just change you a little bit. God doesn't tweak your life. Grace isn't just you 2.0. Grace isn't a better version of you. Grace is a brand new me. Grace is I'm not who I used to be. I'm not how I used to be. I don't think like I used to think. Act like I used to act. Talk like I used to talk. I'm brand new in grace. Say amen to that. And the problem with Christianity today, listen close, and maybe the frustration you're having with faith is that all you try to do is tweet. Maybe if I can just get a little bit better. Maybe if things get a little bit better. Maybe if my marriage gets a little better. Maybe if I can get a little bit less depressed. Maybe if I can get a little bit more joy. Maybe if I can just get a little bit less addicted. No, no, no. That's not grace. Grace wants to change everything about you. That's why 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, Paul said this to the church at Corinth. Church at Corinth was wild. Wild. And, and, and Paul said, hey, just so you know, it's but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You need to underline that and make this your life verse. It's by the grace of God that I have what I have. I didn't just come up with this idea, Jeff. I didn't just have this right connection. I didn't just shake the right hand. I didn't find this church because all my friends came here. It's by the grace of God I am who I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. Let me, let me give you a better translation. It worked. His grace worked. In me, Paul said, Hey, listen, I, I'm a testimony. It worked for me, it worked in my life. I'm not who I used to be. I was the guy that murdered Christians, I was the guy that did unspeakable things to the followers of Jesus. I'm the guy, I was the chief of sinners, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I studied at the feet of Gamel, I was the worst of the worst of the worst. And Paul said, I know, no, I worked harder than all of them. Now, I think Paul meant two things here. I think he meant I worked harder at being a sinner. Anybody know what that is? So all the heathens know you worked hard at heathen. You know what I mean? And, and, then, and then the second thing he said was, and then I worked hard to try to fix my life. Because Paul said, I've been a Pharisee. I was a legalist. I did everything. I kept the law the best I knew how to. And none of it worked. Then the grace of God came to me. Everything changed in my life. When you accept grace into your life, it comes in the person of Jesus. Write that down. I'm almost done because I'm hungry. Not because I'm done. Because it's late, I'm hungry. <laughs> when grace comes to you, it comes in the person of Jesus. It doesn't just come on a Sunday morning when you sing the songs. It doesn't just come as goosebumps. It doesn't just come. It comes as Jesus on the inside of you. When grace appears, Christ enters. When grace comes into your life, look, I, I can, I'll show it to you in the Bible. Colossians 1 and 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Underline the word in in your Bible. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I understood, Kevin, Christ was with me. I understood. Oh yeah, I can I can do better because I got Jesus with me. You remember those? You remember those bumper stickers? Jeff, we just put on a car and said, "Jesus is my co-pilot." <laughs> Some of y'all, he ain't your co-pilot. I've been watching y'all on I ten. He ain't your co-pilot. <laughs> if he is, you drunk, and so is he. That it, it ain't, he ain't your co-pilot. I understood he's with me. I even understood. Oh, oh, Christ is beside me. He's 
He's for me. I, I could grab that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Jesus has something for me. Christ's for me. I get all that. But listen, let me tell you something. Paul didn't say when grace comes to you, you get a best friend. He didn't say when, when grace comes to you, Jesus becomes your homeboy, your buddy. Ah, Jesus is going to help me not, not do the bad things today, you know. He's right here with me. Oh, yeah, that's good. But that's not what grace really did for you. When grace comes to you, Paul said, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's grace working its way from inside my life out. No other major religion claims this. Muhammad, listen to me, Muhammad is not in Muslims. When Muhammad died, he left, and a bunch of Muslims now have a book that they read and they do their best to make the prophet proud. I'm not calling you Muslim. I'm just saying there's a lot of Christianity that lives the same exact way. I'll just do my best to make the prophet proud. No, no, no. This isn't like that. When Buddha died, Buddha didn't say, I'm going to come back and live on the inside of you. When Buddha died, he was gone, and you do the best you can to please Buddha. Buddha isn't in Buddhist, and Muhammad isn't in Muslim, but Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Christ came to you. Grace saved me from the inside out. They may influence them. They may instruct them. But they don't live on the inside of them. And Jesus isn't dead in a tomb somewhere. He lives in... That's when grace came to me. Christ came in me. Take heart. Take heart. He takes all of that stuff out of me. He doesn't just make me a better me that doesn't cuss. He changes my inside. He doesn't make me a better me that doesn't look at porn. He takes out addiction from me. He doesn't take just a better me that speaks to my wife generously. He takes a better. He takes pride out of me, hurt out of me, pain out of me, selflessness out of me. He tells me, listen, He doesn't just tell me to change. He gives me everything I need to change. That's grace. That's the grace of God. And the reason you're frustrated with faith is because you've been trying to do it on your own. I've been there performing. God, please, if I do it right, if I say the rosary, if I pray this prayer, if I do this thing, please just help me. Instead of I receive Christ on the inside of me. Now I have what I need to do what you've called me to do. About 12 years ago, my dad, <clears throat> my parents live in Arkansas. And uh, my mom called. I was working at a church, a big church in deep south. And my mom called very frantic on the phone. She says, uh, your dad collapsed at work and we're taking him uh, by ambulance. We need to pray. He wasn't responsive. And, uh, and we did. Brady and I prayed. I was uh, on staff at a church, pastor at a church there, and all, all the staff prayed, and I immediately went home, got my stuff, start driving quick as I can to get from Mississippi to northwest Arkansas. <clears throat> Mom calls back. She says, your dad's had a heart attack. And uh, doesn't look good. We don't know how long uh, oxygen deprivation lasts with him. Anyway. So I walk into the hospital. I finally get there, and he's already in surgery. And about halfway through the surgery, the nurse walks out the, in the waiting room, and I remember her saying, so we tried to fix, you know, with stents, and we couldn't, so we were doing open-heart surgery. 
And I, I remember asking, I, you know, I said, so I get it. I, and, I, and I understand this is, it's not routine, but I mean, you, you know, you've done it before. I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize it or, or but w- how do I know this is going to work? She said, because we're not just making his heart better. We're giving him brand new veins. So last year, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And before they started treatment, chemo for the cancer, he had to get clearance from his cardiologist, you know, the heart doctor. Twelve years later, the heart doctor said, it's brand new. It's like brand new. Listen. God, write this down. Grace is God as a heart surgeon. He doesn't just clean you up a little bit. He makes it all new. He doesn't just want to make you a little bit better. I, I know. I know that I, I know the struggle to just try to get some relief. Look, I'm just here. I just came to church today to try to get a little bit better in our marriage. I just came to try to be a little bit better parent. I just came today to try to get a little bit more peace. I just I'm just here because I need a little bit more joy. What if you could get it brand new? What if grace wasn't just incremental? What if grace changed everything? What if you don't have to clean up to get to God? What if you just come to God just like you are with all that brokenness and mess and mess ups? And grace takes you just where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you in your mess. That's why Ezekiel said it like this. Last thing I'll tell you. Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you, God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, he said, I'll give you a new heart. You mean you're not just going to make me a better dad? No. You mean you're not just going to fix, I just, I got this anger thing and I just, I just need to get it under control. No, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm just trying to get past the miscarriage. I'm just trying to get healing from the divorce. I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to get Pat to forgive the abandonment of my father. No, I'm not going to make you a better you. I'll take that broken heart out. I'll give you a new one and put, put a new spirit on the inside of you. I, I'll remove from you all of that stone. Give you a heart of flesh. Write it down like this and then we'll pray. Jesus doesn't just want you in heaven with him. He wants heaven in you. He doesn't just want you to go to heaven with him. Oh yeah, that's that's worth living for God. That's why I'm, I'm not minimizing heaven. What if you could have a little heaven on the inside? What if that same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead would live inside of you? What if that same Christ that's with you could be in you? That's That's what I need the most. Man, you're telling me God would trade all of my stuff. Yeah. You're telling me I wouldn't have to get it right all the time. No, no, no. You'd have the power on the inside of you. That's grace. You mean to tell me he'll take, you don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter. You don't know how far I've gone. Doesn't matter. You, you don't know how bad it is. I mean, we're bad. I mean, we're smiling for everybody here, but we're sleeping in separate beds. 
You don't know how far my son's gone. I mean, I, we hadn't talked. It doesn't matter. You, you don't know how bad the addiction is. I can't get out of it. It doesn't matter. God can give you a new heart. Change everything. That's grace. That's what I need the most. I think it's God's best idea. I want you to walk in that. I want you to spend the next four weeks leading to Easter this whole Lent season. I want you to understand the power, presence, person. Jesus could be in grace in your life. Bow your heads and close your eyes. You know what? I don't do this every week, but let me ask you this. Nobody's looking around. If you're in a situation now where you feel lost, broken, shame, guilt, frustration, anger, just can't seem to get it right. I, I, I mean, I get small glimpses. of I, I, Right now, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I'm telling you. I get glimpses of joy, but I don't have real joy. I get, I get days where I'm not as depressed as I was, but I'm not, I, I can't get out of this. And this message is, I need that grace working on the inside of me. I'm tired of just getting a little bit better. I need a new heart. I need a new spirit. I need grace to meet me right where I need Christ in me. You say, well, I'm already saved, Pastor. It's okay. I, I told you, if you learn it wrong, you, 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 you may have lived your whole life wrong. If you've learned it wrong, you may be in your 30s today thinking, I never knew that. I never knew it could be that good. I never knew God loved me that much. If that's you, nobody's looking around. Nobody but me. Would you just, if you want to be included in this final prayer, would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me. Hands up all over the place. Hands up, hands up, hands up. Dozens, dozens of hands. Hands up. I just need grace. I just, I, I, I just, I really need to get past this. I see you. I see you. Keep your hand up. I need to get past this. I see you. Come on, as an act of faith, just keep your hand to God. God, I need this. God, I've been in this vicious cycle for a long time. God, I've I've dealt with this pain and shame and heartache. And God, I'm ready to get free. My God, there's couples with their hands up. Team with their hands up. Come on, just, I need this. There's no shame in this. I just need grace. God, I need what he's selling. I need what he's talking about. So, Father, I pray for every hand raised and every hand that wants to be. For a revolution of grace, I pray in this very moment, Holy Spirit, would you blow through the room? Would you meet people right where they are? Holy Spirit, do what I can't do and tap somebody on the shoulder and say, it's you. I've come for you. I'm, oh, God, I've come for you. I could almost tap you on the shoulder. I feel so strongly. You know it's you. I've come for you. Come on, when, when you feel it and it's you, put your hand up. It's you. Come on, when the Holy Spirit says it's you, I've come to, I've come to set you free from that thing. I've come to get, get you out of that cycle. I've come to finally heal your broken heart. I've come to, come on, I, I know you feel it. I know tears are falling down your eyes. I know it's you. I, I, Holy Spirit, do what I can't do. Point it out in my heart. God, just let the Holy Spirit be a finger in my heart and say, right there, that's the thing. That's the thing you haven't given me. That's the thing I got to get control of. That's the thing I need. And then give it to God. God, I give you that thing. I give you this thing. I give you this thing. Now with every person, would you just hold your hands out in front of you and receive? 
Come on, I know it's a silly posture, but would you just receive from God? Holy Spirit, I pray for grace in the room. Jesus, I pray grace over broken hearts. I pray grace over addicted souls. I pray grace over anger and temper. I pray grace over confusion. I pray grace over depression and anxiety and worry. I pray grace over shame and guilt and frustration cycles. Cycles of my life that I end up here again. I'm ashamed to even say I'm here again, but I am and I need grace. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do and let grace fill the room. Now you got to pray this way. I can't pray this for you, but you can pray it. I receive. I receive. I receive. Cleanse me with grace. Wash me in your blood. Come on, cleanse all of that stuff out. God, take all of that stuff out of me. God, would you do surgery on my heart? Come on. God, would you would you open me up and all that stuff I've held back, would you finally give me grace? Give grace on the inside of me. Let grace work its way out. Let grace work its way into my marriage. Let grace work its way into my job. Let grace work its way into my parenting. Let grace work its way into my calling. Let gra- God, I need grace. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ on the inside of you. The hope of glory. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, I can't leave the service without letting you take the first step of grace. With your eyes closed, here's what I know. The first step is yours. But God will always take two towards you. The first step is yours, but God will always take two steps to you. So everybody's going to pray it out loud. You may just need to rededicate your life. It may just been a long time since you really re-upped and told God, Hey, I'm serious. I'm ready. I'm ready for this life. You may have never surrendered your heart to Jesus. Today's your day. If that's you, everybody's praying, but nobody can pray it for you. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. It's because of the cross I have grace. It's because of the cross I have mercy. Thank you for dying for my sins, for my mess, for my mistake. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. I believe God raised you from the dead so I could live in heaven. Here's the part. You got to say it from deep down so I give you my whole life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me hope. I receive your grace. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody shout a big amen. Come on, give God praise for his word all over the house. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.